everybody, and welcome to episode number 42 of the DualShockers.com Shotcast for the week of August 21st. I am your host, Logan Moore, and joining me this week is, once again, Azario Lopez. Hey, dude. What's up? Hey, man. I didn't really like that uh, that intro. You didn't like that intro? No, I don't like DualShockers.com. You, should I drop the .com? Is that a little too yeah. early 2000s? Yeah, I think, I, think the, I think the listeners know. Tata.com. <laughs> if they don't, if they don't, then I then it, well, it could be a, it could like, be a I'm .net sorry. or a .org or uh, <laughs> .cc .edu <laughs> .edu. Yeah, DualShockers .edu. Yeah, okay. um, so I apologize if no one knew, but this is a website and this is our podcast, and we do use the .com. That is our that is what you need to use to find us on the interwebs. Yeah, so use that. The official American. Yeah, that web, is a little uh, bit of a weird thing internet. to say. Because that's like, do you remember like all the commercials back in like the late 90s when it was like, ask your parents for before going online to www. Like, and they'd like just spell oh, out yeah, the entire URL. The www. Yeah, no one says yeah. that anymore. I can fondly remember the day that I learned that you did not have to include www in the address bar. It was a great day. <laughs> I remember I remember calling one of my friends and telling him to try it himself. <laughs> How old were you? I was maybe about uh, nine. It had to have been nine or ten because I was still I was in the sixth grade. So whenever that is, that changed your entire world. Then changed the entire way you access websites. Uh, it take... was a, it was like an AOL. It was on one of those AOL discs. Oh yeah, one of those. Uh, what are oh, they called? Walled, walled, walled gardens or something like that oh. is. I think is what they were called back in the day. The, or the Cinco oh, in, the Cinco Internet. That's yeah, love the love the Netscape shout out, Netscape. Netscape. All right, we can move on. We can move <laughs> on from late '90s, early 2000s internet. Uh, laughing along in the background with this is once again Taylor Lyles. Hey, Taylor. Hey, what's up, guys? Not too much. How are you doing? I am doing pretty well on this Monday. Uh, this is the last Monday I have off before I start school next week, so I'm living up this week while I can of my last week of freedom. Are we are we all back in school now? Azara, you're not doing school this semester, are you? No, I have lots. I have lots planned, and yeah. one of those is not school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got this. Is my last semester, so I'm glad to be rid of it, and I'm actually hoping my college also gives me college credit for working at the website this next semester. So we'll have to see if that gets approved or not, because that would be real nice uh welcome yeah like i said everybody to episode number 42 so let's lay a couple things out here for the remainder of the episode up yeah front. tell us tell us what's going on logan so we were lucky enough to have uh mr grant kirkhope the composer famed composer in the video game industry uh he worked on some past titles like most notably probably banjo kazooie would be what most people associate him with uh he did ukulele earlier this year and he's also doing the music for mario and rabbit's kingdom battle uh grant was nice enough to come on the show this week and do an interview with me uh so we will be slotting that in in the middle of this episode so you can hear my conversation with grant uh him talking to us about what it was like to work on a mario game which was a daunting task for even a composer of his stature uh so that's a great interview we're going to be putting that in the middle of the show this week so we will be taking a break and transitioning to that at one point uh but until then Let's, of course, get into... Do you guys want to... How, how do you guys want to do it this week? Do you want to talk about what we've been playing a lot? Because I, 
I don't know. I've been playing a lot of stuff, but that would be like a two-hour conversation if I went into Just depth. tell us one game you've been playing. Tell us your favorite. How about that? Hellblade. Uh, last week. Hellblade was awesome. Hellblade was very good. I think okay. everybody needs to check that game out. Um, we gave it a 10, uh, like I mentioned last week, Jordan's review. And when I initially saw that, I was like, eh, that's a... Uh... Not that I doubted him, because I think Jordan is a fantastic reviewer for a site, like most of our reviewers. Um, hey, I'll say it. I doubted him. But, w- yeah, when I saw it, I was like, wow. <laughs> I, I was very taken aback that we gave that game a 10, because it was not very much on my radar until it released. That game's phenomenal. That is maybe oh, one of the best it's gaming great. experiences from front to back this entire year. And I really think, it, I don't know what your guys' feelings are on it, but if you haven't, if it's not on your radar, I think you need to put it on your radar and make sure that you check it out before our Game of the Year stuff starts starts up here in a couple months. Because I would not be shocked if that ends up near the top of a lot of people's lists come year end. It is a very, very well done game. And the team's only like, what, Ninja Theory's like 20 to 30 people or something like that, if I'm correct? It's a pretty small team. Small. Yeah, it's it's pretty small. Yeah, so for the quality of that game, for the quality of that game in both its writing and its graphical power, like it is a gorgeous, gorgeous game, but also very creepy and like hard to look at at times. Uh, I, I, I think Hellblade is seriously one of the year's best. And if you do play it out there, if you're listening to me say this out there and you want to check it out for yourself, just make sure you play it with headphones. That is the one thing that you have to do when you play that game because. Uh, the main character has psychosis, so you're constantly hearing other voices popping in, but you need the surround sound headphones so that those head, that those voices sound like they're actually coming from inside your own head or the character's and, head. And that leads us to our sponsor for today, PlayStation Platinum Headphones. PlayStation Platinum get Headphones. Get yours today. <laughs> those are the ones Play I use. Those are the ones I use. They actually worked out really well for, for that game. Yeah, definitely use headphones, though. Uh, even if it's just earbuds or something, make sure that you do that for that game. I think it is like of utmost importance. So, Hellblade's good. Played Matterfall too. You can check that review out on the site. That is up uh, right now. And uh, we talked about Sonic last week a lot. I played it. It's phenomenal. It's what I wanted it to be. So I agree. Uh, Taylor, what have you been playing? Sonic, I assume. Yeah, but well, besides Sonic Mania, I recently, I found out yesterday, like, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this game called Hover Revolt of Gamers. Um, It's kind of like a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio, and I remember I did a review back when I was a freelancer before I joined DualShockers, and I had mentioned in my review how it was kind of like a a mashup of what would happen if, like, Mirror's Edge and Jet Set Radio had a baby. (laughs) And uh, it's on the PC now, and it's on, like, Mac and Linux, and it's supposed to come out on the consoles for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One later this year. But they recently announced that it was going to be coming to the Switch as well. So we'll probably find out more information on that at a later date. I'm looking forward to that. It's a really good... It really... It, like, if you guys are like Jet Set Radio, I really recommend you checking it out. It's a really fun game. Does it have cel-shaded graphics? Mm-hmm. It's got the same kind of art style as Jet Set Radio. Okay. I can get behind that. I've never played Jet Set, but I've always wanted to. You're such a casual, Logan. I never played it. <laughs> Just never got around to it. Have you ever played Beautiful Joe? Uh, not all the way through, but yeah, I've played it. At, that was a game I played at like friends' houses or whatever back in the day. You, you redeemed yourself. You are like th- four or five years older than me. So there You're is right. a couple things that I missed out that you You're were right. older than me when you were playing. So. You're right. I apologize. <laughs> I take I take it back. I take back my my mean comment. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, there's plenty of things I know I missed out on that I've tried to go back to, and just, it's hard. It, it's it's very it's hard. definitely difficult. There's a lot of um, PlayStation Two games that I missed out on. Sadly, a lot of RPGs that came out in the PlayStation Two era, and uh, I've been forcing myself to go back and kind of play them. But it's it's difficult. I agree. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of stuff from uh, mainly the PS1 era. I think I've mentioned this to you before, but like yeah, PS1 era RPGs and even just most games from that era are a total blank space for me. I never played a lot of stuff that came out at that time, so I really can't speak to specifically PlayStation games of that era. N64 I w- was where I was at and putting my time into, but everything after that I was tried my best to keep up with. Um, and then everything from 360 and PS3 onwards, I feel like I've been doing well with. Um, Azario, what have you been into? Anything? Um, I've been reviewing a lot of games. My review for White Day uh, comes out tomorrow. Interestingly, so White Day 2 was announced today. So, so today, the upload date. So I, I need to change my review. <laughs> I think I mentioned something <laughs> like, "Oh, I wish there was a sequel." So, <laughs> thing, good thing they, good thing they announced that today, huh? That's yeah, that's probably a good thing. Uh, it didn't affect the score or anything. I'm just well, I you. mean, if you're saying you you would like for there to be a sequel, I would assume it's a pretty solid score. So yeah. Oh no! Hey, take that back. <laughs> what, did you, what, did you, what did you? What did you? What did you? What did you give it? <laughs> It's okay. This this is going up tomorrow. I think this. Will, yeah, this, this is going up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. What did you give it? The game. I'm not gonna say yet. Just You're not gonna say. Just that? read the review. Okay, then there you <laughs> go. The go check it out on the website. Because if he says what the score is, then nobody listening is gonna go read the review. Yeah, that's can't true. Give him can't give him all. Got to give him a little taste. So go check. He's giving them the appetizer, and then when they read the review, that's the main entree. <laughs> yeah, I also got the review copy of East Eight. And I can't say anything about that. Haven't you been playing oh. that for a while? Or was that East? Oh, East 7. seven. You're thinking okay. of East 7. Got East one of these coming out every PC. month? Well, East 7 got a, is getting a PC release. So I'm, I'm doing the PC review for that. Let me tell you something, guys. I'm not a PC gamer. <laughs> yeah. I hate I hate, P, I hate playing PC games. And I'm forced to when like these remasters <laughs> are like these these like versions come out so that i can write my impressions on them but the whole time i'm thinking it looked fine before you know like yeah I, like graphical upgrades do not equal fun for me just because trails of cold steel on pc looks phenomenal that doesn't change the amount of fun that i had playing it on playstation 3 i'm gonna have the same amount of fun yeah maybe i'll see someone's boobs a little clearer but it's like, <laughs> about it about it i didn't know there was boobs in that game but there's I not guess now I'm we just, do i just there's no <laughs> boobs. um so yeah you say do you know when that review will go up because the game's out next uh week? the 30th i think the review's embargoed at the 30th so. okay so that's next wednesday yeah i think it comes out the first week of september sometime i'm not sure though oh, that's I'm... that's a freaking shame it's gonna get crushed by knack too i'm sorry you say Good luck. <laughs> I doubt it. I don't think the, I don't think the the fans of East are going to even think about. There, Knack. I don't know, man. There's a lot of crossover between the Knack and East communities. There's a, there's a cross blood between. 
Knack is a cross into all genres. It's like this ever-growing battle of, like, what should I play, Knack or Yeast? Yeah, yeah. it's been going on for years. <laughs> that's going to be a, that's gonna be an interesting week for sure. There's actually a lot of releases that first week of September, so I'm interested to see where everybody goes to that week. Probably Destiny 2 primarily, if I had to guess, but uh, we'll probably talk about Destiny 2 a little bit more in the future. Uh, let's get moving right into the news this week because uh, because of, we've got the interview with Grant in here. I wanted to try to spend less time on the games we've been playing, like I said, and focus a bit more on the news uh, quicker and more upfront this week. Uh, so right now, as we're recording this, we are in we're not in the midst of Gamescom. Gamescom technically starts tomorrow or slash today, the day this is uploaded. Um, the 22nd of August is when it starts, and we're recording this on the 21st. Uh, but we did get to see uh, the EA pre-Gamescom stream, which happened earlier today, and then Microsoft's happened yesterday as well. And in addition to both of those, we had a handful of uh, other game stories that happened with each of those companies. Let's jump into Microsoft first um, because within the past week they have delayed arguably their biggest first-party title uh, for this fall, Crackdown 3. They have delayed it into spring of 2018 at this point, which is a real shame. And then No, it's not. That it's... game needed it. Logan, I, dude, I, look, I don't know. know. Hey, I know I'm over here defending Shenmue Three, brother. Like I know how it feels. <laughs> it's I it, know how it feels. It's weird. No, because I I do agree with you. Like everything that they have shown about Crackdown Three has not looked good. But I was the person from our team who actually went hands on with it at D Three, and I thoroughly enjoyed like the ten or fifteen minutes I spent with it. And I wrote that That's preview the up. Difficult part is showing people that it's fun, and I think Sea of Thieves is also falling into this yeah. little hole where like yeah. I agree. It previews so well, and it's like, well, you read it and you watch it, and it's just like, this doesn't look fun. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, because I I loved what I played of Crackdown, but I've watched, since then I've watched some gameplay streams, and I'm like, this just does not look that great. Well, I mean, putting drunk celebrities on a live stream and making them play it is probably (laughs) the worst idea yeah, I, I agree. So that's into spring 2018 now. And then um, yesterday they had what I think we could call a very middling pre-Gamescom stream that lasted 90 minutes. And there was honestly next to no big news out of that stream. We saw a few new CG trailers for third-party games like Shadow of War and Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, really the big piece of news, I guess, was... Xbox One X pre-orders went went live. Uh, the Project Scorpio edition was a thing that we had heard rumors about, and then it was also revealed that Microsoft would be publishing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds when it releases on Xbox One. Other than that, everything else kind of seemed recycled from E3. It was a really poor showing, in my judgment, from what we saw yesterday. Yeah, but what- they did reveal uh, Game of the Year. Um those family games oh yeah <laughs> disneyland yeah. and uh disney pixar rush and uh, honestly i've no I i've never heard of these Donald games guys okay i know i know zoo tycoon but i don't understand this ultimate animal collection or rush like you know what though there needs to be more kid-friendly games oh i agree but with you connectables too <laughs> yeah bring but that's down. why we have knack and spongebob hello yeah 
That's why Knack's there. Mark certainly loves the kids. That's why he's created Knack. But yeah. the fact that these are remastered, why not? Like, I doubt it's so hard to just grab some assets and make a new game real quick. Like, I doubt it's that hard. Nobody's been crying for a remastered version of these games. Um, I've been you know, crying at night for, for I'm a I'm saying game. that, <laughs> but there is some hardcore Zoo Tycoon fans out there, I'm sure, that are just screaming right now. And I'm sorry. Well, that was a launch game on this system, wasn't it? I remember I remember on launch day picking up my Xbox One and seeing Zoo Tycoon as one of the games I could have grabbed. And so I really, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not really cert- certain what the new additions to this Ultimate Animal Edition are or whatever it's called. I don't know. It looks like the same game, though, from what I saw. So, uh, besides what about that Jurassic Park? That Jurassic thing? Park game looks cool, but again, that's coming to PS4 as well. Um, they had that reveal yeah. trailer during their stream at Jurassic World Evolution, if I am correct. Uh, that looks really cool, but yeah, again, that's not a Microsoft, that's not a first party title for Microsoft. Where do you guys feel like they're at right now? Because I, I came out of their E3 showing and I was overly excited for what they had shown. Um, I personally, I'm going to be picking up some of the third party games that they showed off on my Xbox one rather than my PS4. So maybe some of those things hype me up a little bit more because I know that's the console where I'll be buying them. Um, but it's getting to the point, especially with Crackdown 3 getting pushed, where I am like definitely concerned about what their first-party offerings are at this point because they have really the not future, shown it. Definitely the future of this publisher is weighing on the sales of the Xbox One X. If that does well, you'll see a lot more money going into their first-party studios to kind of kind of get these games out there you'll see a new gears you'll like there's they're sitting on so many ips as it is right now and and like stealthily they're still supporting the hollow lens yeah just not talk just not talking about it like there's all this this stuff that microsoft is doing behind the scenes but they just have nothing to show yeah that's what's weird is is, you can go ahead taylor i've been talking here No, it's fine. I mean, like, the way I see it, like, I don't really, I don't have, like, a console preference. I like all, like, I like how each of them has something that, like, you know, that I can enjoy and be like, oh, well, I can't get this on, like, the PlayStation 4 or vice versa. But the problem is, is I really feel, and no, actually, I'm convinced that Microsoft is just banking on the Xbox One X and saying, oh, it's the most powerful console. But a lot of people are already kind of turned off by the fact that it's like a $500 price tag. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are turned off over the fact that there's really not that many, and I'm like, good (laughs) IPs. Like, I was like, you could say that there's some good, there's some exclusives, but how many of those exclusives are actually system selling exclusives? Not many. So they need to really invest more on making good first-party exclusives and not solely relying on one exclusive that keeps getting delayed and just keep showing that off all the time. Like, I, I you know, like, because they were kind of doing that with Sea of Thieves for, like, the longest time, in my opinion, and then they are, they're starting to do that now with Crackdown. And I'm just, yes. you know, I, they need more exclusives. They can't keep banking on third-party timed exclusives bullshit. Like, that's not going to sell the system. Yeah, and that's I, that's a good, and that that does raise a good question too. It's like, what would you buy an Xbox One X for? What what game would you 
would you buy it for Gears? Would you buy it for Halo? Those are relatively the same shit. It's a shooter mechanic. Like they, well, they, they're, they're, they're very. They have their audience and they cater to that audience. But as when it comes to expanding that audience, they're not even trying. Well, that's where. It. Well, that's where the argument comes in that if you are buying third party because it is the most powerful console, then you would maybe be a little bit more prone to buying your third party games on it. So you buy your yeah. Shadow Shadow of War, your Wolfenstein's, your Assassin's Creed, things like that. You would maybe be a little bit more likely to buy if you had the Xbox One X on that console rather than a PS4 if you have them both. Um, I think what's really, yeah, it's what's strange to me is that they do have this like war chest of IP that they are just not doing anything with. And it's not even the Halo or the Gears. Like, I really don't want to see those for a while. Like we, Yeah, they need a break from both of those. They have overused the fuck out of both of them yeah, excessively. And I, one of my friends yesterday was like, man, I, I can't believe they still haven't said anything about Halo 6. And I was like, dude, like, I don't want to see that for a while, if I'm being totally honest. Like, I want to see what Microsoft has up their sleeves that is new, and they still have yet to show us that, this console generation. And even the games that have been new have been, like, mainly second party. Like, you look at Remedy with Quantum Break. You look at Insomniac Games with Sunset Overdrive. Like, some of the games that have really stood out and have been exclusive on the console are second party developed rather than first party developed. Or first party published, I guess. Yeah, um, and it doesn't help the fact that they weren't really... Like, don't get me wrong. Quantum Break was a good game, but that game is so incredibly flawed that if someone yeah. someone asked me, honestly, hey, I might buy Xbox One for this game, should I? And I was like, no, don't do yeah. it. Yeah, it's not a <laughs> system I, selling I, I think I will say that Quantum Break is a beautiful game. It I, is. I really well, liked it, yeah. Acting was, it the acting was fantastic. Gorgeous to look at. You're right, there's some flaws in the gameplay, but goddamn, it's gorgeous. Remedy yeah. knows how to make a game. Yeah. That's now they make another Alan Wake, damn it. <laughs> it's just like there's no iter there's no there's nothing new with Microsoft right now. And even the stuff that is like everybody loves it and it is clearly like a is clearly good games. Like Gears is good, Halo is good, Forza is good, but like how long can you run those franchises into the ground before people are like, what is the new icon from Microsoft here? Like it is still like their mascot is still for all intents and purposes, like Master Chief, and that is a 15-year-old IP, and they really have not mixed that up. I guess you could say Marcus Phoenix was kind of the poster boy for the 360 era, but they don't have that identifiable franchise or character with the Xbox One era, whereas PS4 has, I don't know, you could say Aloy with Horizon Zero Dawn, which came out earlier this year. Yeah, which, yeah you, you, could say, that. you could say Last of Us, uh, Joel the and Ellie. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a, there's a there's a lot of different standout figures and characters on PlayStation compared to Xbox, and I think that's where they're struggling right now. Um, and yeah, I I don't know, and it, it it's weird because I think what Phil and Aaron Greenberg and a lot of those guys over at Microsoft, I think what they're doing is smart in a lot of ways. It's just where the, when are the games gonna come? It's it's still so strange. And uh, somebody brought up. Uh, one of you guys said something a minute ago that reminded me too about the third-party exclusives that they do get sometimes. Yeah, timed exclusives. Like yeah, the, with ti- the Dead Rising. Yeah, even then they're just very dodgy 
about the questions about said games. Like uh, Dead Rising 4 was a good example where it was like, hey, is this exclusive to Xbox One? They never really said. People are already <laughs> asking them about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and they're like, yeah, we're publishing it. And people are like, well, does that mean it's exclusive to this console? They're like, I, 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 I don't know. It, like they, re- it could be. They don't. Yeah, they don't say anything one way or the other. Go, and this goes all the way back to Rise of the Tomb Raider when that happened. Oh, like they are yeah. very back in. They don't say anything one way or the other regarding the exclusives that they do have on their console that are third party, and that's a little bit frustrating. Um, I don't know. It just Microsoft's situation right now is one that I can't remember another company having. Like even when PlayStation was struggling last generation with the PS3, it was mainly just like the PS3 is hard to develop for and the cost is too high. And then once both of those kinks kind of got worked out, it was fine. Microsoft's doubling down on hardware when the software is not there and people have been asking for the software repeatedly over the past two or three years and it still isn't really showing up. And it's, yeah. I don't know, they're just in a very awkward point right now. And I think a lot of people are starting to turn on them. I'm I'm yeah. very interested to see what what they have because even through all of this, it's not like they know, like, it's not like they don't know the what's been what's being said about them it's not like they're sitting in a room totally oblivious to all these uh, mm-hmm. criticisms and and thoughts and ideas of gamers and um podcasters um so i'm really excited to i'm really excited to see how they how they respond you know <clears throat> and what they respond with because it has to be something because again if xbox one x fails i don't see i don't see that that department I do. And that was going to be the final thing I was going to say about them. Microsoft has a war chest of money. As long as they want to be players in the console space, they will be players in the console oh, space. Yeah. It yeah, is they just own, they own be Minecraft. Players, but if they they're getting wanna, money every day. Yeah. Yeah. But if they want to if they really really want to compete seriously with PlayStation and what I mean by seriously, I mean like there's like the sales are not being outnumbered three to one. I mean like as in they're almost neck and neck very close in sales every single week. Yeah. If they want to do that, they need to start getting more exclusives. They are sitting on a lot of rare IPs and they're just locking them in. The, they have like so many for like just IPs that they have and they're just locking them in the dungeon, just rotting there. And it's it's kind of gross, honestly. And there's like a lot of original Xbox games that deserve another chance. Mm-hmm. Like I could name at least three that I'd like to see come back. More specifically, Blinks the Time Sweeper. They like <laughs> No, it's that was a very good game. It hasn't aged well. But I felt that if that game des- I thought that game deserved another chance. Because it really could have back then if it had I guess gave more time to develop. It could have gave games like Jack and Daxter a run for their money back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, even if they don't want to be competitive, they have to become identifiable, and I think that yes. is their biggest problem right now. Is that when you think of Xbox One and you think of Microsoft right now, there is no immediate things that at least pop into my head when I think about them as a company and as a software developer, and that is their big problem right now. Is that <sighs> There is just no games that jump to my mind when I think about them as a developer uh, before I think about them as, like, a hardware manufacturer, and that's the issue. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if they'll ever compete one-to-one with Sony again. Obviously, I'm sure people used to say that about Sony last generation, so I don't think we should ever count Microsoft out. The Xbox One X is obviously incredibly powerful, but, yeah, we just need to see the games at this point, which... 
just give us the game. Which is what everybody Microsoft. was saying before E3. It's what we've been saying since last E3. Uh, we'll have to see if it comes to fruition at some point. Uh, let's jump over to EA because they had their stream, as I mentioned earlier today. Uh, I thought I it was... Nap. Yeah, it was... Uh, you didn't miss too much, Azaria. They showed Fee again, which is their little indie game they've got coming up uh, with that creature i don't really know how to explain it it looks very colorful and cute and i'm excited i'm excited for fee it looks really good other than that i can't uh, wait to see the uh hentai fan art of that creature yeah i'm sure it happened make it happen community i'm sure i'm sure it happens it's the internet so i'm sure you'll be deviant art okay deviant art let's go uh probably i could probably search it up right now other than that we got (laughs) battlefield one footage of their new maps that are coming out we got about 15 minutes of footage of that of that we got about 10 minutes of footage of Battlefront 2, which I thought looked really good. Uh, their space battle stuff, their Starfighter assault game mode, if I am correct, looks... Yeah, that game needs to come out already. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not really, you're right, though. It looks good, and there's not much you can really show after this. Yeah, you know? it's, I mean... You show some new maps. Because, well, well, I'm looking... I'm really excited for it. Game. It's it's going to be one of the better games this fall, I think, just going off yeah. of everything i've seen so far and you can't say anything about the story because you just spoil stuff and people will get pissed yeah, off because so. it's only going to be like four hours in the first place if i had to guess but that's a <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms uh and then uh they also showed some need for speed stuff and i think that was about it uh oh there's some sports ball soccer stuff i, I don't nice. I, I i like sports i, I should i shouldn't have used the sports ball term i hate when other people they, do that. they showed the football yeah they showed the football they showed the cristiano ronaldo guy he was kicking he was kicking those soccer balls all over the place that's about it they really didn't do a whole lot um it was a f- it was fine like whatever it was about what Thankfully, i expected mediocre is the honest term is what he wants to say yeah like it was it was a gamescom press event which is they typically go about like this. So I didn't have high expectations for it. It was just kind of there. Um, I guess the bigger EA story over the past week, though, that we can touch on for a moment would have to be uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, where Bioware announced uh, just a couple days ago that uh, the game would be getting no more single-player add-on content or no more single-player patches for that They dropped it, dude. Yeah, they just, not even, they don't even care. They're they done with it. I don't think away. I don't think they don't care. I actually think this is the right move for them with this game. Like if they want to distance themselves from this project, which I think yeah, fans have been overly negative about, like there's no saving it. Stop wasting the man the manpower to try you, to turn you, it around. You tried. You tried to pander. You tried A lot of people to... were bitching about it and they were just kind of like, "Fuck it. Let's just stop." Yeah. You tried to make this huge overly inclusive game instead of focusing on a great story you tried to check all your check marks and now look what happened yeah like i'll be honest like i like the i like the characters in the game but if you were to ask me uh kind of like what was going on in the story i have no fucking <laughs> <laughs> like exactly like, they there's didn't like so have... many things that are going on and it's like what's the main story I got like eight hours into it, or six to eight hours, and I stopped playing it. I want to go back to it at some point because Mass Effect. I'll is... buy it when it's seven dollars. Oh, you're, we're, we're pretty close. <laughs> I've seen it on sale for like twenty already, so yeah. we're, yeah, we're so nearing it's... that time. Which is it's. This is just one of the stranger stories that has happened in 2017 because honestly, coming into the this year, that was my most anticipated game by a mile ahead of 
Horizon, Zelda, oh yeah, Red Dead, anything. That was Dude, my most anticipated game. Planets, seeing those planets like will hype anybody up. The the design on them. Oh, I thought the so combat cool. looked great too. I thought the the concept for what the story was was a great idea and a great way to continue the series while abandoning all the Reaper stuff in the Milky Way galaxy because I did not want to have to deal with the Reaper garbage again because I was kind of burnt out by with by the end of Mass Effect three with that stuff. They should have finished it after Mass Effect two, honestly. But we're not going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. Um, I I feel like I need to go back to Andromeda at some point, and I will do it just because I have such love for bioware and that universe that i need to finish it up out of curiosity more than i do out of anything i don't know i feel like it's like a homework assignment for me to like see that one through almost Uh, yeah it'll have to be like a whole day you're just like man i don't know what to play okay let's let's play this let's get it over with it's like a like a band-aid but you're slowly peeling it off yeah and then one day you're just gonna just yank it off i think i think i had just gotten the krogan companion too when i stopped so that's always a good sign when you got the krogans coming up on board so i don't know we'll see uh yeah this is it's just been if we could if we could wind the clocks back and go back to the start of this year and be like hey mass effect andromeda is not gonna pan out in fact it's going to tank and everyone's going to hate it, then I don't think anyone would have believed you. And it, not everyone hates it, too. That, and that's the thing that sucks, I think, most about this cancellation of additional uh, story-related DLC and additional patches is that the game still has a community that was very much looking forward to that content, and it sucks that they're not going to get that content in the future. Um, but that said, I think the overwhelming response has been from Mass Effect fans far and wide that it is it was a swing in the miss with what we wanted this game to be. Um, and that is why it is disappointing more than anything else. Um, but yeah, no more Mass Effect single player content, which totally Rest sucks. But uh, um, Well, before we move into your interview, I just want to say that Square Enix killed it this morning, you guys. With what? They... They dropped Fear Effect Remake, the original, the original Fear Effect for PlayStation. They're doing that. Final Fantasy 15 is coming to PC in early 2018. Can't wait to see those the mods. The Windows you know, Edition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I'm they ready also... to see those mods. I want to see Kermit the Frog in Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> there are frogs, so I'm sure at one point someone will move the frogs and like put Kermit in there instead. They also they also announced a game uh, or released a trailer for this uh animated cinematic game called Forgotten Anne. Um just uh cool uh cool oh yeah what else uh Life is Strange trailer. Like they just killed it today. Um I didn't even know they Square had Enix, Square Enix is just throwing out all these good games square's been a good publisher the past few years i know you're way more into them i think because their japanese stuff but even their western stuff has been really high quality over the last few years they've been a really phenomenal publisher uh last... yeah, they've been buying better studios than microsoft has yeah they got the, they got a freaking avengers game in the work which is insane to say oh think dude about still. Yeah. that's a huge license oh my god yeah i can't wait to see what that turns out um, when we see more like, of it next year like i wish i could see that meeting and just how stoked they were when like disney like said okay do it yeah 
Yeah, I'm I sure. Would... I'm sure there was a bidding war. Some conversations were had behind the scenes about that one. So. I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, that's about it for the news this week. There's a couple other things that happened, but we're going to skim right over them because those are the two. Yeah, go important. read the website. Yeah, go check out fun. the website if you want to see the rest of it. You may have to do some digging because there's a lot of news on our site. But uh, those are the big things that happened over the last week I felt like we should touch on. Uh, let's get to our interview with Mr. Grant Kirkhope. As I said, we talked about... Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is due out next week exclusively on the Switch. Um, and he talks about what it is like to work on a Mario game. So let's go ahead and listen to that interview right now. Welcome back to the Shotcast, everybody. So this week we've got a special treat for you. Uh, joining us on this week's episode is none other than Grant Kirkhope, one of the, I think, most famous video game composers. One of them. I'd say you're up there at least. Personally, I don't, know about, I don't know about that. I think that's exaggerating slightly. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of my personal favorites, at least, and I think personal favorite of quite a few people. Grant, thank you for joining us this week. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Oh, it's nice to be to be asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. Sorry about all of the setting up this took, but uh, that happens every now and then. So let's get right into it. We've got uh, you are you are working on a Mario game, which is something for to catch all the listeners up. You and I spoke earlier in the year, and you kind of were teasing something to me that you said you were incredibly excited to talk about, but it was going to be announced at E3. That, of course, ended up being Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, and I was following your tweets, and you seemed ecstatic to finally be able to talk about it when they announced it. Uh, how's this? How's it been since the game was revealed in, at E3, and how have the past few months been for you? Oh, it's been amazing. I think that was a spectacular thing, you know, to finally get it out in the open. You know, like I've been on it for like at least well two years of my life. I've been spent doing this game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've written I've written music for this game, and no exaggeration, every day for two years. I've, there's not been a day gone by I've not written something for it. Um, I'm talked to the team and Davide Soliani and all the guys over there. So it's been a spectacular thing to be involved in, and also for me as a composer to get to touch Mario, who is the biggest game character arguably in the world. You know, was like fantastic, but equal parts scary because. You know, to think, having to, you know, try to go after Koji Kondo, who is the best video composer <laughs> in the world, you know. It was, it, it, when I first heard about it, I was a bit like, I was, like I said, equally excited and equally completely scared. Because um, I thought, I'm just going to ruin it. I'm, not good, I'm just not good enough to do this, really. You know, I panicked about the whole thing. Um, but it's turned out all right, I think. <laughs> you know, so fingers crossed. Uh, but no, it's been, you know, it's been a real fantastic thing to get it out in the open. And also, the, I think all of us were slightly scared that maybe people would, once they heard it was the Rabbids, they were a little bit like, oh, we're not going to like it. And like, you know, it's easy to get scared by that. But like, once I saw it, once everyone saw it, they kind of went, oh, it's such a perfect match because they're so stupidly crazy. And Mario's not like that. Like, it's a, it's such a great match. And like, Davide, the, the creative director, it was all his idea. And like, to put that together, um, people to kind of go, are you crazy? And for it to really work, I think was like a really a fantastic thing for him to do. And everyone's kind of, the whole vibe, the whole kind of reception to it was fantastic. Like, the E3 was, like, so exciting. I kind of jumped out my skin when my motor walked on stage. I mean, I, even though I knew it was going to be there, I still jumped out my skin when it turned up, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been fantastic, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, obviously, a bunch of stuff about the game leaked before E3. So, I'm sure that was probably 
strange for you because you I'm sure you saw all the images out there in the wild but you of course can't say anything at the time but yeah I think a lot of people going into E3 knew it was going to be announced there but they were hesitant about it but the, I, I played it I thought it was a ton of fun I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on it uh, when it releases next week I guess would be when we're publishing this interview um, it's looking great I'm really excited for it let's go back to like you said coming on board and actually doing music for Mario because there is like you said Koji Kondo is one of the best composers of all time at least in the video game space uh what how did you approach this project were there certain songs you looked at from past mario games that you're like okay well we need to include some sort of variation of this tune like how do you approach a mario game whereas it's it is a combination of two different franchises so it's not all mario per se but there are certain elements i'm sure from past tunes you wanted to include how did how exactly did you approach that yeah, so that was a little bit scary, as equally scary again. It was we didn't quite know what we were going to use as we went along. So it kind of it wasn't like planned, I guess, in advance. It was planned as we kind of went along. It kind of, wouldn't be great to include this. So there's not too much of the of the Nintendo stuff in there. Um, so I wanted to like I, I knew well. The first thing I thought I, I can't possibly do that kind of Nintendo poppy jazzy style because one, I'm bad at it. Two, they're brilliant at it it would be such a mistake to try and emulate it because I'd, I'd make such a mess of it, you know. So um, I decided to try and go my own way a little bit, like I do, um, like, I, like I usually do, you know. Mm-hmm. I tried to get a bit of the crazy crazy rabbits in there, a bit of marrow and a bit of me in there and smash it all together and hopefully it comes out sounding something like. And I think the game sounds probably more Nintendo-esque as it begins, but it definitely changes it as it gets through the game towards the end. I, can't, I don't say too much about it. Um, but, like, it does definitely change. And uh, so I think that's that was a great thing, and like you know, getting to we, 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 when we got to Peach's Castle in in uh, in Rabbids, it was like, wouldn't it be great to include the Super Mario sixty four castle theme from that game? Because that's my favorite Mario game. Because mm-hmm. when I worked, I worked at Rare, that I worked at Rare in nineteen ninety five, so it was just coming out at that point with N sixty four. So I really remember that game vividly, you know, especially that theme as well. I love that theme and that castle theme. So <laughs> for me, getting to use that was like. Uh, I was in tears, you know, when I first started writing it because it's so amazing. To think I'm actually getting to touch this melody, this this thing, you know. It was just like amazing, and I had to uh, work it out from here. I didn't, I didn't have the music, so I kind of sat over the and got the because I know that Nintendo were going to check it right. Mm-hmm. Um, any any Nintendo property, they check it because they're very protective and, and rightly so because Mario's like you know he's God, right? Yeah. So so um, that was a bit scary too. So cause like my first iteration of that, sending it off to Nintendo and like waiting for the whether they liked it or not and thought it was respectful and all that kind of thing uh-huh. and it's it's, it's fully orchestra it's a live orchestra playing that playing my my peachy's castle theme uh-huh. so it's a, i guess it's the first time they've heard a live orchestra play that theme from mario 64 you know so that was quite special there's other bits and pieces that were throughout the game that i've used like some of the mr miyamoto specific, specifically asked if we could kind of rabidize a couple of the kind of nintendo stingy bits or like sound effects even like the pipe sound effect that kind of dig-a-dig-a-dig-a noise. Um, even as a sound effect, they wanted to try and create, recreate it musically, and he, he actually asked for that. So, you know, you can't sort of say no to Mr. Miyamoto. It's like, <laughs> you honor to be asked, right? So I had a few goes at that, try to create something musically that I thought was reminiscent of that pipe a sound effect. So that's in there. So you'll have to, have to listen to that and see what you think of it. Um, also, there was a bit where we decided to recreate some of the Nintendo stings, like the, like the Game Over sting, that that one, right? Mm-hmm. So I orchestrated that. And when I did it, um, I worked it out about a year again, and I got one of the parts wrong. 
it wasn't harmonically wrong. It was just that the movement was it was going up as opposed to coming down. And I got a little email back from Nintendo through Ubisoft saying, um, you know, because they're very respectful, you know, very the Japanese and just mm-hmm. like, yes, Mr. I think it sounds great, but could you just correct one part, please? And they sent me the sheet music off the ditty, the little jingle. And I was like, I felt like I was holding like, you know, Indiana Jones scrolls from the, from something. It was like, <laughs> just, I just got this little bit of music back from the, from the, from the hand of Nintendo. It was like, it was so special, you know, and that, those little moments kind of happened all over the place in the game, but musically those, there was kind of, those are kind of the main things that I kind of touched upon. So, I mean, you kind of, you've, you've been touching on it here, but I was, I was going to ask you what it was like to work with Nintendo because this is a very different project. So have you, everything, all of your communication with Nintendo, has it had to go through Ubisoft to Nintendo and back through Ubisoft back to you? Or have you had direct communication with certain members of Nintendo? Like, I'm just curious how the relationship between yourself and some of the members of Ubisoft have worked uh, in conjunction with Nintendo on this game. Yeah, so everything I do goes through Ubisoft because they're, they're making the game right. So, mm-hmm. you know, all the guys in Milan and Paris are the guys that I deal with. So, uh, David Soliani and there's a guy called Romain Brio who um, is the sound guy at Ubisoft Paris. Uh, and there's a few other guys, you know, I uh, can't think of the names right now. Christina Meyer. Christina Martin? I can't, I can't, I forgot my second name now. Christina. No, she'll kill me for not remembering her name. Um, there's a few people that I've deal, you know, dealt with like that. But it's always gone to Ubisoft and, back to, and then back to me. And I, I get, obviously I get seated in the emails, but they're the, Ubisoft are the main port of contact, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, that, it's all gone through them. Okay, cool. Um, you mentioned one thing I wanted to ask you about before, and you kind of mentioned it again, uh, was like rabidizing certain, certain, maybe not necessarily all Mario tracks, but is there, obviously you had to go back and find specific Mario tracks, like you said, the castle theme for Mario 64, something like that, that you would want to include. Is there really any old is there like a main theme for the rabbits or anything like that that you had to go back to past rabbit games and pull from and include in this game or was it was it more just like do whatever you want with these guys for this yeah it was more stylistically so uh they tried to interject some of the craziness so like some of the the boss battles and stuff they were, they were saying to me make it crazy make it as daft as you want to make it you know push push it as far as you can mm-hmm. so i really check out any of the early, any of the early rabbit games but my kids did watch the cartoons i thought they were great um yeah so um so yeah, so it wasn't really like that. Um, it was just trying to interject some of that craziness, in, you know, here and there. There's a, there's a there's a main title theme that I've done that kind of all blows up at the end of it, and it, I, I, I think that's in the game. I, I tell you what, you know, I haven't played the game because I haven't got a dev kit right. So <laughs> I played the game literally for like half an hour in Milan. I went to Milan a few weeks ago, and I played it for the first time there. So I've not really got anywhere near into the game as you have probably. Um, but obviously, I've seen all the videos. I've, I've scored the entire game, so I've got some video footage, but I've not actually played it. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so it was kind of uh, there's there's bits of craziness all over the place. Hopefully, um, that that you'll pick up on. You know, only as a composer, I think sometimes you kind of you think you've been really obvious, but in actual fact, you're not been obvious at all, and no one gets it except you. So it's like that's that thing of trying to be. So it's great bouncing off the team and they're saying, "Is this what you want? Is it crazy enough? Am I going too far? Not enough? You know, it's it's handy to get that." that feedback for that kind of stuff. Yeah, especially with the Rabbids, who, like you said, I, I mean, it is a very crazy, eccentric group of characters in the video game space. So I'm sure they're trying to make you play it up as much as you possibly can. Um, I'm curious with... Uh, so... The genre. It is a strategy RPG. You are more known for probably the platformers you've worked on. I'd say Banjo-Kazooie, Ukulele earlier this year, stuff like that. You've obviously scored dozens of different games of varying genres. Is there a different approach you have when trying when coming at a game that is a strategy RPG like this? Like, is there a certain 
do you have to make the music more tailored to the genre because you know how a game like this plays, or is there anything like that when you're when you're creating your music for the project? I think it's in your head, but I think that you know I, I approach everything just the same, really. I guess I'm a bit of a one-trick pony, you know. I kind of write it the way music the way it comes out. I'm, I, I don't think I'd, I'd call myself like a very intellectual composer. I'm not very intellectual. I'm just kind of it just kind of comes out as it comes out. If it comes out bad, it's bad. If it comes out good, it's good. That's the way it is. I'm not great at that stuff, you know. Um, so, but the Ubisoft guys were fantastic at kind of giving me good strong direction which is i really appreciate that when you when you work with people sometimes you get guys that kind of say um i don't know what i want but i know it when i hear it and that's the worst person to work for because you're just going to write the music for the next 50 years and never get it right you know but when you get guys like like davide and ramon who kept saying you know it's it, we like this but you know it, it, here's an example it, the more that like, when we were looking for that kind of thing you know so they give me great guidance so it was a really fantastic relationship we had i mean me and David and Ramon are great friends now. I mean, we, we talk together every day for two years. We, you know, it's like my I see best the friend. Twitter, I see the Twitter interactions between yeah, you know, guys. Like, yeah, but, that, but that all bleeds into the game. It's like Banjo Kazooie, right? When you've got that kind of working relationship and you have that fun with each other all the time, it just bleeds into your game. You can't help it, you know. And that's what makes games great, I think. When you get that fantastic relationship between people, like, you know, Spielberg and John Williams, they've got a great relationship, so their music's great. It just all bleeds together. So it's it's such a great... That's, I think, that's the way to do it. And we've had such good fun making it. We're good friends now and all that stuff. And they weren't scared to say to me, Grant, I don't like it till you do it again. I'd say, great, I'll do it again. There's no there's no issue about, well, bloody, you know, getting getting annoyed about it. No, it wasn't like that. So, um, and they were equally sometimes unsure of things. Like, I've got to say, there wasn't too much stuff that I had to redo. And not a lot at all, really. I mean, I, I always take the nick out of Daffodil all the time. I know I do on, on Twitter. And he, he knows I'm only taking the, I'm only taking the piss. I don't think it's not like that. Um, he literally pushed back on a few things. I mean, there's one level uh, that I think I didn't quite get it right at the start. And um, that was, there was one that just, that took a little bit of time to get right. But that's probably the only one I can think of. Mm-hmm. I, don't know if, I don't know if it's been announced yet. I don't know if you t- should, I probably shouldn't say it. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. Um, but yeah, so it's a little bit like it wasn't quite sure at the start. Um, and then there was the thing with the the opera singer, you know, Phantom of the Boisera, you know, the one that you've seen that that thing. Yeah. Was, you know, like his, his original idea was to have a opera, an opera song, uh, a heavy metal version, and a rap version of the of the of that song. A rap, we, your I, favorite genre, I'm sure. Of course, yeah. I keep thinking, <laughs> can, I, can I just get away from it for once in my life? You know. So <laughs> I did I did do a metal version and I did do a rap version of those, but they, they ended up not using them. Like, so you might hear those at some point. It, it, obviously, obviously it's, obviously, it's me singing right because I had to demo it right. All the opera songs that are, that are in the game, I had to I had to demo them myself, sing them here, and you, you know, before the singer sang them. So they, I mean, Davide has got those as a good blackmail material, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For the future, if, if I'm not good, because I'm going to release this, Grant, you're going to be sorry, you know. So uh, yeah, so there's things like that that went on, but it didn't they didn't make it into the game, so it just, it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good fun to do, right? Me rapping's not great, right? <laughs> you know, as you can imagine. Uh, so yeah, so there's quite a bit of that going on. But um, it was a really smooth ride the whole way along, you know. Yeah, I wanted. So I, I assumed you'd bring up the opera track at some point. So for those who haven't seen it, the latest trailer for the game, or one of the latest trailers at least, has an op- uh, rabbit who is singing opera, and uh, it is a fantastic track, and it's a ton of fun, and it's like my favorite trailer they've released for the game so far. Have you ever done anything in that vein before? So when they ask you to do an opera track, do, do you have any experience with that whatsoever? No, I've never done it before. But I guess, you know, I was classically trained. Right? I went to a music college for four years mm-hmm. with a music degree. You know, so, and I've played in operas. I've played in the pit, you know, in, you know for opera. So I know, I know what it sounds like. Um, so it was just trying to get some of my 
my the way I treat harmony. I treat harmony dark harmony a little bit, dif- a little bit different. I think than most people do. Well, I think I do. I probably don't really, but I think I do. <laughs> you know, it's one of those <laughs> things you do. You know, so um, yeah. So it was getting that in there, and making it singable for the singer. So uh, that was a little bit of you know messing around, but it was pretty straight. I mean, I I, I get that classical style because I've played in orchestras for years as a kid, right? You spend your life playing that kind of music. So, you know, on trumpet, you know, so like, I know how it sounds. So it wasn't that hard to do. It's just good fun, right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think that's the whole game. I, I think that's why you were a good person to bring on on this project, personally, is because your music is always so buoyant and vibrant and just fun. And that's what that's what this game is. Like, that is... When I played it at E3, like, I think I had a smile on my face, like, the entire 10 or 15 minutes I played it. Like, you can't help but, but laugh while playing the game, as goofy as it is. This combination of Mario and Rabbids is just so strange, but it's so funny at the same time. And I, I think that's why you were well-suited to be brought on for the project, personally. I think Davide was a massive Banjo-Kazooie fan, right? So I think he, he waited all these years to try and get me in a project. And he just finally <laughs> got the money to do it. Not that I'm expensive, but, you know, like, he finally got the chance to do it. Um, and also, I think the whole... The whole thing about the Rabbids game is people kept saying to me when they played it, they could feel a passion in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something you can't, you can't try to put in. It just comes out of you naturally. Like it's, I think it's something that I think we all felt so protective of the Mario brand because it's such an amazing thing, right? We all were super mm-hmm. too scared to make it. And I think that we really tried super hard to, you know, to make it the best you possibly can. And I know everyone tries to do that, but I think with Mario, it's slightly more special because you're just so scared of the whole thing. You don't want to break that thing that's so fantastic. And everybody was such a massive Mario Nintendo fan. The whole team is. And to get the chance to touch it, it just brings that extra bit out of you. So, you know, and everyone kept saying they can feel the passion of the game. And I think that's a special thing that you can't, you can't put that in, in by intention. It just, ha- just, it just happens because the team gels well together. All that thing, it's, a, it's kind of the... The stars align, you know what I mean? It just kind of comes right, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I, I think that passion was shown most obviously at E3. I mean, through Davide I, tearing up in the front row when the reveal of the game happened. Like, yeah. those moments at E3 are always the coolest when you see a developer who has worked and toiled for so long. How, how long has the game been in development at this point? I think they've been on a few and a half years, and I came in for the last two. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, for them to toil and work so hard on a project like this and then finally reveal it and to see him tearing up in the front row, it's just, it's a really cool moment because you know how hard they've worked on these games and they're passionate about it. Like you said, this is a day-in, day-out thing for you guys. And, it's, mm. yeah, I agree. Passion is the number one thing that I really could see when I played the game. Uh, yeah. you, no, sorry, but at the E3, there was, I was sat next to David. There was, David, it was me and, and, sorry, another guy than me. And I was sat like next to him, so he could save the seat for me. I got there really late. Mm-hmm. And when Mr. Miyamoto said Davide son, I said, Get up, get up, you silly but get up and I was pushing him up like that, you know. And I knew he was gonna cry because he always cries, right? Because like <laughs> it, means, it means so much to Davide. Like, he'd, he'd worked so hard on it. And he, he was a guy that had the, the idea way back then, whenever everyone you crazy, it's never gonna work, you know. And they had a little demo running on Unity when I first got there. You know, when I first went to Paris just to see the game and like all that thing, you know, that he'd worked so hard and he'd been to Nintendo multiple times to show it to Mr. Miyamoto, who's his complete hero. Like for him to be in Kyoto with Mr. Miyamoto, showing him the game and for him to like it and say, yeah, I like it. You know, that mm-hmm. he, he, you know, I kind of felt that the E3 for him it was that absolute pinnacle of he didn't know if he was going to like it or not. He was he was always a bit scared. And I kept saying, don't worry, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And he, he was still panicky about it. And then when he... See Mr. Mel- see Mr. Melto on stage, mentioned it by name. I think it is kind of just always oh, like, oh my god, you know, like that. It was that kind of moment for him, and it to go so well. I, I, I still think you can't believe it, really. 
he's still a bit in shock about how well it's gone. So, so it's been a real, you know, long journey for him. It's, I mean, that's, it's so cool to hear because, I mean, I think us as members of the press and the people who are the ones playing the games and I guess and critiquing the games, like we look up to the developers as almost like pseudo celebrities just because we're in this industry but to hear that not only us but then developers like davide himself still sees miyamoto as like this legendary figure which he is but it's just it's cool to hear that not only people like myself have that love and admiration for miyamoto but somebody another developer in the industry does as well it's 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 just really cool to hear um Let's circle back for a second. We maybe should have, I maybe should have started with this question, but I am curious. You mentioned it there a little bit how Davide was a big banjo because we fanny wanted to get you on this project. How did you really get involved? What were those early talks like, and how did you really get on board with the project? Yeah, it was a bit weird. I got, I got an email from LinkedIn from uh, Gian Marco Zana, who's a producer in Milan. Just sort of said, dear Mr. Kirk, it was very formal, dear Mr. Kirk, hope, you know, we have a game we think you, you might be a good fit for, something like that. Are you interested? I was like, yeah, it was Ubisoft. I, I didn't know what it was. I thought, you know. I you didn't haven't worked was... with Ubisoft before, have you? No, I didn't even know there was, there was a studio in Milan. I was like, in Milan? I didn't know, you know. So, so that was like November 2014. And then it took a little bit of time to get a contract sorted out with my agent and stuff. It just was a bit, because everyone's a bit slow. Christmas came around, it slowed it all down. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get you out to... Uh, to Milan to meet the team and see the game and all that. And like, so I thought, great. So it kind of happened in about April. But I said, well, what we'll do is we'll meet in Paris because, like, it's a bit closer for you and we'll, we'll be able to – and Paris, the two students will do it together. So there's a, there's a team in Paris and a team in Milan, bigger team in Milan, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So I Paris, like, probably April, I think, 2015. And I remember um, they all kind of met me at the entrance of the studio. Like, it's all very formal. Like, they all like, Mr. Kirk. And I was like, like I'm, I'm some kind of celebrity. I couldn't believe it, you know. <laughs> it kind of escorted me back to the – back of the studio through these big security doors with all you couldn't get in without the card. It was like, it's a bit strange for a rabbit's game. So I knew it was a rabbit's game. All, all they said was, it's a rabbit's game. And that was it, right? That's all yeah. I knew. So when I got into the into the space at the back, it was all a bit, all a bit secretive. And they took me into the into the side room, shut the door, and there was Davide and there's two, uh, Romain Brio and Isabel Ballet, who are the two sound guys, um, sat there and said, well, I better show you the game. And they turned on the TV and Mario was stood there. And I was like, oh, I've been playing Mario before I arrived, you know. So yeah. I sort of waited change it over then david starts moving mario around i start said there yes what's this they said yeah it's a mario game did, not, did no one tell you that i was like what like <laughs> he, said, he said that for the next hour i said i kind of sat there like completely pale because i was just panicking going You're, what did i sign up for <laughs> i just can't i just i'm not i'm not good enough to do this right it's, i can't do I, I just can't do a mario game i just you know after koji kondo it's just not possible right how could anybody dare to take it on you know so for an hour i sat there panicking going oh my god i'm gonna have to go home and just say I just can't do it, lads. I'm sorry, you know. So, um, so, so then it was kind of agreed to do like a sort of a an initial 15 minutes of music because I didn't know, but there was still proof of concept in Nintendo. It hadn't been greenlit then. Okay. I was, I was still like, oh, I, and I, I didn't. They didn't tell me that, right? So I, would, I did the 15 minutes of music over the course of that maybe the next few months, and then I think they did a meeting with Nintendo maybe in September to get the final green light in the game, and then I waited a little bit more, and then they got a, my proper contract sort of started maybe early 2016 probably like maybe like january i mean i'm still on the game but i think that they had to extend my 15 minutes to the yeah. two, hours, two and a half hours whatever it was that i did in the end you know so um yeah and then it kind of started full on that january 2016 and like so it's and, I, and i've worked as i say i've worked every day in that game for that entire time that's that's really cool that's i'm sure that was just mind-blowing for you to see mario on the screen yeah, um so shocking that. I, I just kind of thought what's mario doing there and then he yes yeah, so, i just said yes yeah, a mario game like just casually it's like what 
What do you mean it's a Mario game? <laughs> yeah, it's Mario Rabbids. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I just, my heart's like, <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, you know, how about, anyway, you know, that's, that's the story. Um, I guess I'll, I'll get one more question and we'll get you out of here. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, so when the initial E3 reveal trailer happened, the second I heard the music, I was like, that is Grant Kirkhope. I knew that immediately. I knew it as soon as it happened. And you said, you said you, that, uh, this game is very much in your own style. Uh, does that mean we can expect a ton of the same instruments and things like that, that we've come to expect from you to put in your game is maybe like a ukulele or, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, not the game, just, but like the instrument. Just, well, I mean the uh, yeah, I mean the um, the um, that Parabids uh, Parabid plant battle mm-hmm. you see out there. That's as poly as banjo kazooie as it gets. Because David is a massive fan. He, he wanted one tune, I think, that was like <laughs> a bit like banjo kazooie, and I was like, all right. So when I wrote that, he just he was like nearly is in tears again. He's always he always cries, right? It's like, oh my god, it's this is fun, you know, just the, this is my favorite piece of the entire game, you know, because it's it's quite banjo kazooie esque. So I guess that's probably the most banjoy tune in it. But I think I do think that sometimes people say you've got the Kirkhope sound, right? And I think as a composer, it's nice to have a sound. It's of your own if there is one, but it's not by intention. That's like, completely by fluke. If I've got a sound right, it's just by complete accident. It's not got a planned it. It just because that's the way I write. I sometimes think, you know, when you hear like Brian May play the guitar from Queen, you know it's him, right? Because he just plays a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's not help it. Or Eddie Van Halen and my heroes, right? You can tell it's Eddie Van Halen a mile away because he just plays a certain way. And I think that I just write music a certain way. And if people like it, great. But that's just, it, it's not going to change. It's just, it's just the way that I write, you know. Yeah. I'm not really, I'm not great at like being this kind of intellectual composer. I just I just can't do that kind of stuff, you know. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, bit of a, that's the way I do it. So yes, I think that's probably the most banjo because we ask. But I, yeah, I'm sure they'll pick up stuff in the rest of the game that you probably recognise as being a bit like me. Because mm-hmm. I know I'll, I'll I'll do it without thinking about it, you know. And Davide kept saying stuff like that, you know. So I'm sure it's in there, you know. Well, when they sign you on, I'm sure they know exactly. Again, I, your style is so iconic and so easy to recognize that I'm sure when they reached out to you, that was exactly what they wanted. You give yeah. you, you give yourself far less credit than I think you deserve. Your style is uh, very. Uh, iconic i don't like that kind of egoy thing i think you know there's a billion great composers out there i'm just another one of the composers yeah you know i'm not there's a there's tons of fantastic guys out there you know for me to get any work and to be liked is just is better is great you know it's the best thing ever so i'm very grateful for people to like what i do but i'm under no illusion that i'm some kind of amazing composer i just do what i do and hopefully someone likes it you know keep your fingers crossed but i think you know i think that the milan guys have been really super respectful to me and I sometimes feel they treat me a bit better than I deserve. <laughs> no, really. You know, uh, even though me and David took the piss on Twitter, we, we do genuinely really like each other an awful lot. I like all oh, the rest of the guys on the team are great. When I went to Milan a couple of weeks ago, you know, it was they were so nice to me. Like they really were. And I, you know, I met tons of guys there now. And I think they're, they're all great people. And you know, and he could have went to Paris a little while ago for the other press event I went to. Um, you know, that it's. It, they've been super, super nice to me, and I, I was, as I say, I don't think I deserve it, <laughs> you know. So um, it's been a really great experience all around. That's uh, well, I think I can speak for not only myself but many others. Uh, I'm far more excited for the game just because you're doing it than I think I would be normally, and I, I think I'd be excited for the game regardless. But knowing that I'm going to have some cool new tracks to listen to by yourself while I play the game. I am definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle is out August 29th. Is that yeah. worldwide? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So worldwide August 29th for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Grant, thank you for joining us on the Shotcast this week. It means a lot. I wanted to try to get you in here before the game released. So uh, thank you for 
coming by on such short notice. I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do too. No, it's uh, nice to be asked. Thank you very much. Get the old guy, the old block out now and then, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's head back to the rest of the show for the week. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thank you so much to Grant Kirk. Wow, that was a really good interview, though. Thank you. Thank you, Azaria. Probably... I'm glad you listened to all of it. It was really good. I'm glad we all listened to it together right now before we jump back in. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to have him on the show. I'm hoping we can have some more industry folks on the show in the near future. We'll have to see how that all works out. Um, but let's move into Pick of the Week for the week because we actually have a couple – Notable releases this week. Uh, we've got coming out to d- tomorrow slash today, day of upload. Uh, we've got Chromagun, which is coming to PS4. We've got Mages of Mistralia, which is coming to PS4. Minecraft Story Mode is hitting the Nintendo Switch. Um, the Escapist 2 is landing on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uncharted The Lost Legacy is coming to PS4. We've got White Day, as Azario mentioned that he's reviewing, coming to PC and PS4. Uh, and then on the 24th, we've got The Lost Child, which is coming to PlayStation 4 and Vita. Uh, later this week on, I think, Friday. Yeah, Friday the 25th, we've actually got a handful of releases. Uh, F1 2017 is coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. We've got Madden NFL 18 coming to PS4 and Xbox One, which we actually just reviewed on the site and gave an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, so you can go find that review on the site. Uh, we've got Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm Legacy coming to PS4, P- uh, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And then we also have One Piece Unlimited World Red Deluxe Edition on PS4 and PC. A lot of anime games in there. In addition to an Uncharted game and a sports game. It's a very, very uh, broad week. Child. So diverse! Um actually logan the lost child is only being released in japan oh i'm sorry about that so that that's actually, from the director of uh el shaddai i think that is uh that is correct thank you for correcting me so that is for our um, eastern audience i guess only i would say uh check out uh mages it's a awesome kickstarted game um really cool check it out that's my pick taylor what would week. be your pick of the week Uncharted The Lost Legacy. How excited are you for that one? How are you feeling about it since reviews came out? Our review's not out yet. I think somebody's going to be reviewing it for the site. Maybe you. We'll have to see. How are you feeling about it, though? Surprise. Guest reviewer. (laughs) Neil Druckmann's going to review it, yeah. Neil Druckmann's... (laughs) (laughs) Plot twist, everybody on the site's reviewing it together. It's a party (laughs) review. (laughs) I mean, I, I loved Uncharted for... It it was probably my yeah it's my game of the year for that year specifically if if it's not the the game of the year it's definitely one of my top like five so when I originally had bought the game at GameStop I remember they're like oh you want to buy the season pass because they're doing the standalone expansion and stuff like that and I was kind of like sure why not I usually don't buy season passes but something's like you know what go ahead and buy this and then when I heard that they were gonna stop selling season passes and I found out how big that the Lost Legacy was gonna be mm-hmm. I was really excited for it because I, <laughs> I didn't have to pay as much for it now but yeah. I'm a little upset because I wanted to pre-order it just so I could get Jack and Dexter. So that's a little disappointing. But... I think I should have a code coming for that too, I guess, now that I think about it. Because I pre-ordered it as well. So... Oh yeah, then you'll get the code soon. Because everybody who pre-ordered it like on the PlayStation Store was getting it. We'll see. Keep my eyes out yeah. for that. Old school. Um, as for my... So that's your pick of the week. As for mine, uh, 
Yeah, it's probably Uncharted as well. I'm really excited to play through it and see what it's like. I had issues. I had way more issues with four than I thought. I think other people did. Um, mainly, what issue specifically? Um, Let's not get into this right now. Yeah, this is. I mean, we <laughs> we, we could open up. A, we could Talk open up a whole later. can of worms with that. And my feelings are kind of distant on it since it has been like 14, 15 months since I played it. Um, in a broad sense, I felt like there weren't enough big explosive set piece moments like there were in past uncharted games and that was kind of why i played them um i thought the storytelling and the writing was fantastic but i also thought the gameplay had kind of worn off a little bit and was a little staler and even the addition of the hook wasn't doing too much for me it was just cut and paste you went to an area you killed you you hid you jumped you found something you went to a new area did the same thing as yeah and i I mean i I think that gameplay is Super fun, and it keeps me entertained for the t- 10 to 12 hours that most of those games are. But uh, by the fourth one, I was kind of disappointed to see that they really hadn't iterated upon too much by the end of it. So. Oh, but remember in 3 when you're in that plane and, like, it crashes? Dude, remember in uh, 2 when you're in that train and, like, oh, the cars see, are moving and stuff? That's, like what, that? that's what 4 doesn't have. It's just, like, when in 3 when you're walking in the desert, that whole scene is just engraved in my brain as, mm-hmm. as a great video game moment. And when I think of Uncharted 4, I, I can't... Okay, they... they they had a, a shocker ending, you know. That's my that biggest. That's my biggest problem with it as well. Oh, is that, they that, there's you, no they crash bandicoot one, in the beginning. There's no <laughs> one moment the from it. The biggest moment in that game is when you're being dragged by the truck, and they show yeah. that at E3, the year before, and I was like, ah, yeah, totally ruined, ruined the it. biggest moment of the game by showing it to me that at E3, is. and that sucked, and so. So yeah, because of that, I don't know. It's a whole thing. I think I've my thoughts on that game are filed away somewhere on the internet in podcast or written form. I'm sure you can dig hard enough and find them somewhere. Uh, I am excited for the Lost Legacy. We'll see how that turns out, though. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for this week, you guys. Again, it's fun. Nice having Grant Kirkhope on the show. Um, as always, you can find all of our work at the website dualshockers.com go check it out over there i will say i will say dot com for this part when i am redirecting them to the site no no yeah but maybe i don't need to tell them that up front check out dualshockers.com yeah go to dualshockers.com it's a good old website where you can find all kinds of news reviews and previews about upcoming games uh gamescom is still this week so we're gonna have a ton more content coming out of there because i'm assuming a lot more news will come out just Outside of the streams that have already happened this week, uh, we have some a pair of boots on the ground there that will be writing up some previews and things like that and interviews with uh, various people in the industry. So keep an eye on, on for some of the exclusive stuff we will have there. Um, as for everything else, um, make sure you join our Discord group. We were at Play NYC over the weekend, so if you saw us there, thanks for swinging by and talking to our founders, Joel, Al, and Yaris. Um, that was a lot of fun for us to be at, so thank you for going to that if you were in the area. Um, and then, yeah, I guess that is about it. As always, follow us at Dual Shockers on Twitter. You can follow Azario on Twitter. He is at Azario Says. Uh, Taylor, you're at Tay Nixter, is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Tay Nexter for Taylor on the Twitters, and I am at Moreman12. And uh, that does it for episode number 42 of the Shockcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week with um, 
we've got some good things in the pipeline. I can't say right now because of uh, one reason or another, but uh, make sure you come back to the show next week because I think we're going to have some cool thoughts on a couple upcoming games. But until then, have a phenomenal week. We will see you back here next week. Take it easy. Bye. See ya.